our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Hi everyone, this is John Hagedorn, and welcome to 1001 Stories for the Road, also known as Caffeine for the Curious, and your home for good old-fashioned entertainment. We're going to take you back to those halcyon days of yesteryear, May 3rd, 1966. It was a business day like any other at the Reynolds Geyer Agency of Design in St. Paul, as Rain Geyer experimented with a concept for a local back-to-school promotional display for Johnson brand shoe polish. He was looking at a colored polka dot paper mat onto which he wanted to place shoes and wondering how that would look when suddenly he saw people in those shoes playing a game where the people acted as game pieces. He quickly crafted a 4x6 mat lined with rows of red, green, blue, and yellow circles and then started testing out game versions with fellow artists and designers in the shop. With one version, he placed four employees positioned with feet occupying the circles, and Rain called out a color, whereupon each of them began to twist and contort to move a foot to an available space of that color. Howls of laughter came from the watchers and the participants as the players contorted themselves to reach open colors, and at that point, Rain knew he had a winner, but what to call it? He decided on the name King's Footsie, but it wasn't chess, and the name wasn't a seller. He pitched it to 3M, but they passed. It was time to call in the big guns. He hired game designers Charles Foley and Neil Rabins to work with him to further develop the game, and together they came up with eight different concepts. But it always came back to the version where people had to twist themselves like pretzels to remain on the mat. Then Ravens came up with the idea to have the players put their hands on the circles in addition to their feet. That worked. It placed people in provocative positions, to say the least, but it resulted in peals of laughter. Then Foley suggested repositioning the circles to make sure people would become entangled. And that worked as well. They applied for a patent and called it Pretzel, for obvious reasons and Foley and Rabins were listed as the inventors. Although from the beginning, it was understood that Geyer had developed the concept originally, and Foley and Rabins had improved upon it. They pitched it to the giant of games, Milton Bradley, and they took it, changing the name to Twister, which didn't really appeal to Geyer, as Twister had stormy connotations. But the people at Milton Bradley had other concerns to worry about besides the name, mostly over the raucous reputation the game had for placing women in revealing positions, to put it mildly. And Milton Bradley had a stellar reputation for G-rated family games. Mel Taft, the guy at the top, loved the game 
and wanted to go ahead with it, despite the warnings that the game was too provocative for the current culture and that the game wouldn't sell. He released it to the stores in late 1965, and it was an instant disappointment, despite a strong TV campaign and the efforts of a PR firm to promote it. When the Sears catalog, which was a huge get for any game that was going to flourish on the market, turned it down, things were looking pretty bleak. As legend has it, in the spring of 1966, Milton Bradley had just put through a cancel order for Twister and was preparing to take it out of the stores, not knowing that the PR firm they had hired had scored a major engagement with The Tonight Show on NBC, scheduled for May 3rd. In 1966, three broadcast networks ruled television, ABC, CBS, and NBC. The only other viewing had to be done with a UHF antenna, which might pick up PBS and some local broadcasters if you lived anywhere near the signal. Cable TV and Internet had not yet been invented. The audience for these networks was huge. They wished they still had it today. And Johnny Carson and The Tonight Show was known everywhere by everyone. Johnny had worked his way up in television after his World War II Navy service on the USS Pennsylvania had ended up in 1945 and had used his considerable on-screen talent and quick wit on television, first as a game show host in Nebraska, and then in Los Angeles, where he guest-hosted the Red Skelton Hour, which brought him an offer from NBC to take the helm of The Tonight Show from the retiring Jack Parr in 1962. To say Carson was loved by viewers is almost an understatement. With his Midwestern openness, and his hilarious monologues, which poked fun at politicians and celebrities, his show became an overnight success. His guests ranged from Boy Scouts to celebrities, and often resulted in antics that became talk over the water cooler at work the next day. Like the time frequent guest Joan Embry brought a marmoset from the San Diego Zoo, which promptly climbed on Carson's head and urinated, causing the live audience to roar with laughter. Carson quipped, I'm just glad you didn't bring a baby elephant. Another frequent guest of Carson's was Hungarian-born Eva Gabor, best described as a glamorous actress and socialite, and remembered best for her role on the 60s show Green Acres, which cast her as a socialite-turned-farmwife, the perfect slot for her, with Eddie Albert playing her attorney husband, Oliver Wendell Douglas. Eva was quick, funny, and charming, and a true pro when it came to improvisational wit. So the Tonight Show's producer proposed that she might be the right match for Johnny to introduce the game Twister to the viewing public. On May 3, 1966, Johnny handed the game spinner to his trusty sidekick, Ed McMahon, and sunk down to the stage, along with Ava, who was wearing a white evening dress with a V front. As both, on hands and knees, played the game of Twister, accompanied by howls of laughter from the audience as they quipped with every move. The show was a huge hit, as judged not only by Nielsen, but by the lines of people in the game stores the next day. FAO Schwartz in New York was besieged with customers. Large and small retailers all over the country were swamped with orders. Milton Bradley soon followed up with promotional spots on Art Linkletter's House Party and The Mike Douglas Show, and Milton Bradley teamed up with Seagram's Seven Crown to distribute a book of drink recipes with a Twister theme. But it was teenagers, not adults, that became the largest consumer of the game as Twister became popular with high schoolers at basement parties and college students at, well, wherever they could find room for a 4x6 mat with colored polka dots on it. 
By December, Milton Bradley's factories were turning out 40,000 game boxes a day. It was so popular that they had to scrap an ad campaign for New Year's to allow production to catch up. By the end of 1967, three million Twister games had been sold, and Twister had become one of the 60's most popular games. Now produced by Hasbro, Twister was enshrined in the National Museum of Play in Rochester, New York in 2015, along with Super Soaker. And it's still doing well today, all thanks to Johnny and Ava, who saved it. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Stories for the Road where every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we release a new episode for your listening enjoyment. 1001 Stories for the Road was inspired by our big brother, 1001 Heroes, the research for which has turned up a treasure chest of great stories. Too short for our typical 45-minute shows at 1001 Heroes, and these stories, averaging about 15 to 20 minutes each, needed a new home. So we created 1001 Stories for the Road. We're available 24-7 at iTunes, our terrific host, audioboom.com, and everywhere great podcasts are found. We have two other 1001 shows out there, and we encourage you to give them a try. Those are 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries, and 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. You can catch all our 1001 network shows and archives, including this one, at www.1001storiespodcast.com and we encourage your posts at facebook.com forward slash 1001 stories for the road we'll be back real soon Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.